Hey, I'm Dave Coles, and you're listening to the All Blacks Podcast. Hello, and welcome to All Blacks Podcast. I'm Andy Burt, and I'm joined here today by World Rugby Head of Women's Rugby, Katie Sedlier. Katie, welcome to the show. Uh, hi, it's really great to be here. It's great to have you in um, Wellington today here at um, New Zealand Rugby HQ, and I understand you're going to be chatting to staff, and they're really looking forward to that. Um, but for our listeners out there, just it would be great to have a bit of your background, where you grew up and, and your first sporting experiences. Well, um, you know, I now do live in Dublin, but I am very much a New Zealander, although the accent sometimes sort of challenges people, but I can talk about that. Um, I moved to New Zealand when I was 16 um, from Canada, and um, I have worked in the New Zealand sports sector for about... 27, 30 years in a whole range of um, roles from um, being the general manager of the New Zealand Academy of Sport um, and also, I guess, more recently being a director on the boards of Sport New Zealand and High Performance Sport New Zealand for six or seven years. And as a sports person yourself, I take it you've got a sporting background yourself. What was your sport of choice? Well, um, I yeah, I competed for New Zealand in the 1984 Olympic Games and the 1986 Commonwealth Games in synchronised swimming, which is just a little bit different from rugby. That's the, you couldn't get much more different rugby to synchronised swimming. How's that transition been for you between the two sports? Are there things that you can compare or lessons you can take from either sport? Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a bit of a gap between being a synchronised swimmer and, and my current role. So I w- went from there to looking after high-performance sport um, in New Zealand. And, uh, you know, clearly rugby is a, is a, a major player in New Zealand high-performance stream. And growing up in Canada first 16 years, are there no, any noticeable difference between the sporting setups in, in both countries? Um, well, you know, it's interesting. I was actually born in Scotland before then, so I'm, I'm quite a, a, a bitzer. Um, I, you know, it was, I guess, one of the things that I learned really quickly when I left the Canadian um, sports system and I went to Hutt Valley High School in, in um, Wellington was uh, how much of a focus there was on rugby in New Zealand. You know, you learned really quickly that if you wanted to um, join the supporters club of the first 15 team, you could uh, get an extra half day off school. Same school, by the way, as New Zealand rugby CEO Steve Chu. Yes, he's a very good friend of mine. We've known each other for a very long time, him and his wife, Michelle, and our children grew up together. So I've actually got quite a few contacts within New Zealand rugby. You know, Darren Shand was my um, flatmate at university, and I recruited Don Tricker into the high-performance world. Um, he came. He worked for me as one of our um, coaching directors before, um, actually leading our coaching across New Zealand before he came to work for New Zealand rugby. So some pretty close links to rugby prior to getting this um, role with world rugby. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And just chatting about your your role at World Rugby, so it's a new new role. Can you just explain a bit about a bit about that? Yeah, the um the the basically what World Rugby are um are looking at doing, or particularly giving me the focus to do, is to see how we can capitalize on the huge growth that has happened in women's rugby um, globally, and make that more sustainable as we go towards um, you know 2025. So you know the the Olympics has created a huge exposure. I mean, I think one of the things that that really amazed me when I took this role on is that we have 2.2 million people, women participating in rugby globally, 435,000 registered members. So it's really it's really large um, across the globe. And and one of my um, roles is to work on how we can make that sustainable and keep the growth growing. That's incredible. I didn't realise we had that many women playing the game across the world. Are there any surprising territories or countries where, you know, you don't associate with rugby, but there's a, there's a large proportion of female players? Yeah. Well, I, mean, I guess there's two things I'd talk about. I mean, the, one of the huge, the huge growth areas is the States. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think they've got about 600,000 um, players. And, and one of the drives there is, of course, 
um, they have that um, article in their education system where you have to have equal number of women's sports to men's sports. So you've got university scholarships in some of the major Ivy League programs in, in um, rugby in the States and most of the high school programs. Mm -hmm. And then I guess the other really interesting thing is, is you know, I've just come back from Mongolia um, last week where I was at the Asian Rugby General Assembly meetings, is that in some of the countries that rugby has been introduced into in the last kind of four to five years, mm -hmm. there wasn't a main predominant male sport. So it was rugby that's been introduced full stop. And you've got countries, some of the smaller Asian countries, where there are more women than men that are playing. Mm -hmm. Quite incredible. Um, earlier on, you, I'm not sure we might have talked about this offline, but you were involved in a high-performance sport in New Zealand. So your, your current role, is it more about, or equally about participation in the high-performance side as well, or is there more of a focus on, on developing the high-performance end of the game as opposed to participation numbers, or is it a blend of the two? It's a blend of the two and plus a few other streams. So, you know, one of the reasons for me being here today um, and what I'm doing right now is we've been developing a new global strategy um, for women's rugby, um, which I'm consulting with various countries around the world on. The, the strategy has got five streams and my scope covers across all five. So we've got the development piece, we've got the high performance and competition piece, and then we have leadership. So looking at leadership on and off field, um, communications and profile and positioning of the game, and then also, really importantly, what are we doing about um, establishing diversified income streams beyond corporate sponsorship and government investment, but looking at some of the other um, non-profit funding avenues externally and globally that we could actually get into the game. Sounds like a pretty big job you've got on your hands there. Hey, one of the things we've experienced in New Zealand over recent years is actually the rise of um, females officiating the game referees, touch judges, and it's, it won't be long until we have an international um, female referee out there referring a test match with the All Blacks, I'd say. Um, is that a big part of your, your role as well? Um, yeah, under the leadership stream, um, I clearly, what we're looking at is, is all the on and off field leadership um, situations, where are we currently at and how, what are the barriers um, and opportunities to actually progress women involved in those senior leadership roles. And I know when, um, you know, prior to me going to Dublin earlier this year, I met with... Um, um, Alhambra, uh, the Spanish referee who was involved in the Olympics, I think, she, and and sat to her to talk about her journey and what are the sort of things that we need to do to put in place to make sure that that there are more women that are in those kind of senior refereeing roles. And you've been in the role for about six months now. Is it not not quite six months? No, just over four. Just over four months. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Feels like six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in that time, um, have you identified any of the major challenges to growing the women's game across the world? I think, I, you know, hey, look, there's lots of challenges and lots of opportunities. I mean, uh, you know, I think that one of, um, you know, I guess two areas in particular I'd like to focus on, and one is the leadership. You know, we, we need to do more to ensure that um, that, that both governance and um, role models um, profile women in those kind of roles. Um, and then the other area um, that I think is a real um, challenge is actually getting the investment you know, opening up the pools of investment and, and, and unlocking some of the things that we think we could put into the game. Yeah. And so you're currently based in Dublin. Obviously, you've spent a bit of time in various parts around the world. How are you enjoying life in Dublin? Dublin's fantastic. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a great, jolly city. You know, very, they're um, full of life, those Irish people, and they've certainly made me feel very welcome.
And of course, big event coming up later this year, the Women's Rugby World Cup in Ireland. Could you talk a bit about that? Well, it's going to be a yeah, it's going to be a major event. I mean, the the comms and the events team are trying are um, certainly on a path to actually make that the best women's event of this year. Um, so huge interest. We've had some um, excellent commercial partners come on board, uh, and I know that there's um, a growing that the ticket sales are go going really really well. So it's going to be an an absolutely spectacular event, and we're going to see some great rugby. And great for the 15s game, but obviously Olympics is huge with um, sevens. Um, at the Olympics now, and the women's game really did excel um, last year in Rio. Um, do you have any thoughts or comments on that, the, the Olympic, how that's helped boost the game, the women's game? It certainly has given um, rugby an exposure to all sorts of different markets. So it's, you know, we've, um, we've reached out to people all across the world that may or may not have been involved. But I think one of the other things that is really interesting that I've learned in, um, since I've joined rugby is that it's actually not just about the sevens and the fifteens. You know, world rugby also looks after snow rugby and beach rugby. And, uh, you know, I've just come back last week from um, Yula Bantor being in Mongolia for the Asian meeting. And, you know, tens is a big big, big part of their women's program. Yeah. So that's one of the real pluses of world rugby is there's a whole variety of different sports that cater to everyone's needs. You know, 15s is definitely the DNA. Sevens has certainly got a huge profile, but I would encourage you all to go on YouTube and watch some snow rugby. Snow rugby, you heard it here first. I think that's what I'll be checking out later today. Hey, and um, later this year at the um, Women's Rugby World Cup, what can fans expect? Maybe some fans have never been to a women's rugby game before and they're heading along for the first time. What do you think they can expect in, in the stands or watching on TV? I think that what you're going to see is, is, is um, yet again another incredible lift in talent. Um, you know, I know that uh, there's been some really incredible competitions uh, in the lead up to this world, but we're going to sort of see some, um, you know, we're going to see the best players uh, um, work, playing against each other, and we're going to see some incredible fans and engagement um, exercises around and off the field. And the sport of rugby for um, women out there, um, maybe never played rugby before, what, what would be the attraction for them to take up the game? Well, the fact that it is a game that is it's challenging, um, it's inspiring that the values of rugby um, in terms of uh, um, integrity, um, passion, teamwork, that it, it's a, a game that, um, you know, you create your friends for life. I mean, you only have to go around. I mean, I've only been working at a global level, like I said, for four, four months, but you just go around and you meet these people and, and they've become, you know, enduring friendships. Um, they're people that are really committed to what they do and they're also really committed to actually making a difference to others who play. Yeah. Now it's quite quite incredible, and I think I always go back to the um, the Olympics, and we've had a few guests on the show. One was actually an actress from Orange Is New Black, the show, and, and she was talking about she flicked over and saw the sevens and was ringing up all her friends and saying, "Turn this on! This sport is absolutely incredible," and um, I just think that's going to inspire so many women to potentially play the game and take it up themselves. Yeah, so we will see the same with the 15s as well. I mean, because it will get a lot, it'll get a huge profile. Um, and um, and the end of the day, you know, it's 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 all good for getting people involved. So lived in Canada, born in Scotland, um, live in Ireland, spent a lot of time in New Zealand. Who are you backing at the World Cup? I don't think I should say that. <laughs> Putting you in the hard spot. Yeah. I'm backing. I'm backing the best team. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and all yeah. those that have, have have worked hard to actually get there. Yeah, no, that's right. Putting you in a very tough spot with that one. But um, so, do you consider yourself a Kiwi or? 
Oh, I definitely. I mean, I represented New Zealand at the Olympics and Commonwealth Games. I mean, I've, I've been very fortunate to go to sort of nine Olympic and Commonwealth Games in a variety of capacities. So I'm really very much behind the, you know, the silver fern. Yeah. Um, but I do have a, <laughs> I am, you know, I was the assistant chef to mission for the New Zealand Commonwealth Games team in Victoria. Yeah. And I sort of put forward the case sort of saying, look, I was born in Scotland, brought up in Canada. I, you know, my passion in my home is New Zealand. My father is, was Australian and my grandfather was, um, uh, was South African. And my great grandfather was from um, Tipperary. So, you know, I, I do back a lot of countries. You've got all the bases covered there. I think it's fantastic. So what's, um, what's next for you now? Obviously you're in New Zealand for, or could you let everyone know what you're doing in NZ? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, and sadly, I came back to New Zealand because my father passed away. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been here at this period of time. Um, but um, whilst here, um, it's been really good to base myself, um, still stay connected in terms of getting people's opinions on our draft plan. Last week, I was in um, Yula Bentor at the Asian um, General Assembly. Um, next week, I'm off to the Oceana. Um, General Assembly, where you know where Buck Anderson you know chairs that group. So I'll be spending a week in Tonga, and then I come back, and then I head up, head back up to Dublin, and then I'm starting to get through on some of the European um, nations just to have a bit of a sort of where they're at discussion before we head to the worlds. So it's a, it's a, it's a pretty full agenda of you know I mean as anyone does in their first year in the job, it's about um, meeting the people that are influencing um, the decisions on where the game's growing and seeing what I can do, listening and seeing what I can do to help. From your travels, it's sounding that rugby is a real global game, isn't it? You, you agree with that? It is. And, you know, I, I think that the really exciting thing about this role, I mean, I, I'm really fortunate to be in it, is it's not just about, you know, going to a world um, championships or a World Cup or going to an Olympics. It's the stuff that's actually happening in terms of social change. You know, I saw a couple of examples of programs in um, Asia um, you know, one in particular where they had the general manager of, of um, Syrian rugby um, who was over, and he was talking to me about the fact that, you know, 70% of the rugby players in, in Syria are women, and, you know, we can now know why that is, you know, due to the, to the war zones. And he had a video that he showed me of these girls, young girls, basically saying that rugby is, you know, playing rugby and being involved in a sport actually lets them, A, develop friendships, and it gets them to think their mind off some of the other things that are happening around them. So examples of things like that, you know, work with, you know, there's a great program in, um, in Laos and Cambodia and, and Vietnam, which is called Pass It Back, which, which has got um, child fund, uh, world rugby, Asian rugby, winning women involved, where they're doing some amazing things in some of these villages of just teaching um, girls about life skills and also, you know, using rugby as a medium to actually really um, change their lives. It's amazing the impact that um, rugby can have across the world. We see, we see it every day. Um, now, just looking at the New Zealand game, and recently Farrah Palmer's been appointed to the board in, in New Zealand. Um, obviously, the Black Ferns and Black Fern Sevens had a lot of success. And just if you could just have a few thoughts on the women's game in New Zealand as well. Well, it's, it's clearly inspirational. I mean, they, they have done, um, you know, some... Am- absolutely amazing things on and off the field. You know, Farah, I have known for a very long period of time, and luckily while I've been back here, I had the opportunity to have breakfast with her to talk about some of the um, the things that she's planning in her new role and some of the things that she's achieved to date. I mean, many, many moons ago, haircuts ago, I pulled together um, all the New Zealand sports captains when I used to work for the Sports Foundation, and Farah was one of those those um, captains at that period of time. And we talked about you know people's leadership journey and what they were going to do and how we could support each other. And it's and you know just looking at what she's done since then is actually amazing. 
Hey, Katie, it's been great to have you on the show and learn a bit more about your role at World Rugby. And um, I actually look forward to listening to you talk to staff later today. But thank you for your time and um, look forward to actually seeing where you end up next in the world and, and the different parts of the world where rugby does grow in the women's game. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and I look, coming back, look forward to um, coming back again in, in the next couple of months and seeing what's going on here. Thanks, Katie. <laughs> G'day and welcome to the next podcast. I'm Andy Burt and I'm very pleased to be joined today by Kendra Coxedge and Liz Ketu from the Blackferns. Welcome to the show, guys. Howdy. Hi. And uh, just before we kick in, so this weekend, the New Zealand rugby um, is actually putting out a rugby team to play against the parliamentary rugby team. Are you guys keen to play? Oh, I'd love to play. Don't know what the coaches would say about that. We don't have to tell them, do we? <laughs> I have to with all my injury problems, so <laughs> probably say no to that one. Yeah, no, fair enough. I thought I'd try and sneak you through. We'll definitely have a win if you guys are on board. But hey, look, great to have you guys in Wellington. And um, coming up in June is, of course, a massive series for you guys. So you've got three um, teams coming over here. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, we've got three best, you know, best teams in the world coming to New Zealand to play the Black Ferns. So yeah, it's really exciting to have them here and good prep for the World Cup. And Liz, are you pretty familiar with the three teams that are coming over? Um, luckily, I've had a, uh, got to play against Canada and England in 2015. Aussie is an unfamiliar team to me personally, um, although I do know a lot of the players just from my time living there. Yeah. And running through these games, we've got Canada on the 9th in Wellington, and that's a double header with the Hurricanes. And then, of course, Australia in, on the 13th of June, it's down in Christchurch. And probably the biggest game of all was on the 17th against um, England in Rotorua. Yeah, it's pretty exciting to be uh, with double header with the Māori All Blacks um, and also playing England. Uh, it'll be a good challenge and yeah, good. it'll be good to get some support down there. And a lot of fans expected in the country, of course, for the Lions and this really um, brings the Black Ferns into the Lions really being a part of that series. Are you quite excited about that? Yeah, definitely. It's a huge opportunity and a good, um, just a good chance for us to play in front of some big crowds um, and get some com um, exposure. So yeah, like Kendra said, it'll be good to have people down there to all three matches. Yeah. yeah, and um, Kendra, last year, so Liz, you didn't play against Australia in that series last year, but Kendra, um, massive game at Eden Park. You guys ran away with a pretty, pretty convincing victory. Um, what do you expect Australia going to bring this year? Uh, with it being, you know, World Cup year, it changes heaps. Um, no doubt they've been doing a lot of prep. Um, I know they've got a few girls from the sevens that have come over as well. So, um, you know, all three teams that are coming over here, they're all going to bring it, um, and you know, it's going to come down to, yeah, obviously, the World Cup. Is a, is a pinnacle, so everyone's going to, be, going to be focusing on that. But having these games and prepping, you know, with these three teams is going to be pretty awesome to see where we're at. So yeah. no doubt Aussie will be pretty pretty good. And the last um, bit of 15s, I guess, you guys played would have been Farrah Palmer Cup last year, I'm guessing. Or well, you played, obviously, club. you're kind of club rugby yeah, since then. Yeah. Yep. So in terms of, I guess, the form of the team, how's that, how's that all shaping up in terms of training and, and all that stuff? Um, so it's all, we're all regionally based and training pretty hard back in our regions. Um, the, 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 the spread of the team is from across the country, I think quite well spread. Um, and there's really good competition within all positions as well. So, um, everyone's training hard and fighting hard for starting positions and to be named in that 22, yeah. And, um, once the June series is over, pretty big year for women's rugby, so Farrah Palmer Cup again. Great last year to see counties win and um, knock Auckland off after a pretty long rain. But Kendra, um, you're from Canterbury and of course Liz from Bay of Plenty. How are your two teams shaping up for that big domestic competition? 
Uh, yeah, as the women's game's growing, it's getting more competitive. So yeah, it was great to see counties uh, win that last year. Um, with yeah, with Canterbury, there's a few young, talented girls down there. Um, so you know, another year or so, and we'll you know we'll be pretty pretty good if these girls keep playing. But at the moment, they're just you know training and playing club footy. Um, so there's not a lot happening yet. But um, yeah, there's a couple of training groups going on, and yeah, we'll see how it goes once they get into it in, in September. And is there any kind of young new players in the Black Ferns to, to look out for this year? Um, who are the new young ones? We've had, we had a few new young girls come through the trial phases and who really put their foot forward and um, I think they're going to be ones to watch. Um, but the, the new ones, I mean, there's not... I think Teresa Fitzpatrick come from across from Sevens, <coughs> but she's sort of shown her class as a rugby player in the Sevens scene um, and... New Zealand probably hasn't quite yet seen her in a black jersey in the 15s, but I'm sure we'll get to see her play this year, and she's going to be awesome, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And looking ahead to the Rugby World Cup, I believe it's in August? August. Yep. August, in Ireland. Um, just your initial thoughts on that, how much you're looking forward to that? Yeah, I mean, the squad get, finally gets, like, gets named in July, so, yeah, it'll be pretty exciting to be um, over there, you know, on the world stage. Uh, from having the end-of-the-year tour there last year, um, Ireland are fully behind it, so it'll be pretty exciting. Um, no doubt they've made a massive push to get a lot of support. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as I said, this June series is a prep for that, and as long as we do that well, um, then the whole World Cup, hopefully, it's nice and exciting. And talk to Katie Sadler earlier today, and she was saying that there's over 2 million women rugby players in the world, about 20,000 in New Zealand. So how hard is it to compete now on the global stage against some, some nations that have a lot more players than us? Yeah, it's definitely getting a bit, bit harder each year, and, and that's a good thing for rugby in general is, um, I guess, some closer contested matches um, and it's definitely entertaining for our spectators so um, I think it's great um, and I guess hopefully New Zealand um, gets on board with a bit of bit of support that what other teams are getting like England um, where they've gone fully professional and things like that so hopefully in the future we can head in that direction as well. And looking ahead to that tournament so in your pool you might have to bear with me here I believe you have Hong Kong uh, Canada and Wales. And what do you know about those teams? Uh, Hong Kong, don't know um, a lot about. Uh, obviously Canada we've played a fair bit um, and Wales have played at the last World Cup. So that's probably the biggest thing is that we don't we don't actually see some teams for four years. Yeah. Um, you play them at the last World Cup and then all of a sudden you go to World Cup and have to come up against them and you don't actually know them. Um, that's why it's always good outside of World Cup year to get as many games in as possible um, to help, you know, obviously develop your team too, but then also know what other teams play like. Um, but, I mean, we've got a bit of footage on other teams to have a wee look at, so, um, you know, we'll be doing a lot of that leading into the World Cup. And how much, is it, how much harder is it to go to the UK and play over there and try and win a major tournament like this than it would be to, say, play over this side of the world as, as you did um, a, few years ago, a few years ago? I haven't had that luxury yet. Um, hopefully, it happens for me this year. Kendra might be able to answer that a bit better than me. But um, it, it's definitely awesome that we get to play in front of our home crowd this, you know, for the during the June series. Um, and it would probably be a lot easier to do it here if it was a World Cup here. But what do you think, Kendra, with your experience? Yeah, I think um, 2010 uh, we played uh, England in, in in London at the Stoop. So, and there was a World Cup final, and you know it's tough, really tough when you're playing up against a full crowd of 
Pommies, but um, you know, to to win and to in front of them was like it was bittersweet. It was pretty awesome. Um, but I think with you know at the end of the day, we love rugby over here, and we'll have the support from over here as well. Um, and no doubt, we know everyone's behind us. Um, you don't always have to be there physically, but we know that there's people back home that are going to be supporting us. So, um, yeah, so it's it's always tough, but yeah, bring it on. I saw some footage of your tour last year, um, Northern Tour, and in the crowd, you did see New Zealand flags there. You did see some pretty passionate fans. How important, or how, how much does that lift you to have that support when you're when you're offshore and see that in the crowd? Oh, it's, it's absolutely awesome. Um, you know, when yeah, as a player, when you see people yelling out, you know, go New Zealand, go the Black Ferns, and have flags, it's just it, yeah, it lifts you hugely. And if we can fill, you know, get the people that are over there in Ireland and just fill half a crowd or whatnot, or quarter of a crowd, even you know, even a couple of lines in the crowd, it helps. Um, in the in the past World Cups, we've had heaps of support and um, people from travelling from here and as well as people that are already over there. So. And just once again, back to the June series, pretty massive, Canada, Aussie and England. I don't know if we've, outside of World Cups, if we've had you know, that concentration of international teams here. For those fans out there, what can they expect if they're going to come and, and watch you guys play live? Maybe they've never been to a rugby game before. What can they expect? Um, I think they can expect some fast physical rugby. Um, the opposition, like England, very physical. Um, Ford pack, um, but then again, with our team as well, we like to play a fast, um, skillful game. Um, so it's going to be some exciting stuff, yeah. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think some people will probably be surprised if they haven't watched the game before. Um, get told a lot with the women's game that it's more enjoyable than the men's sometimes. So the quality of the women's game now is just it's taken off and it's it's, it's exciting. And as Liz said, um, you know, with us we've got a fast, quick quick game we've got good ball skills and good catch pass so um i no doubt we'll be looking at you know trying to get it nice and wide and using have good running rugby but don't want to tell you too much about our game plan <laughs> yeah and uh yeah i remember last year watching your game against australia at eden park and it was a pretty outstanding game with plenty of tries and a lot of fast rugby so look forward to watching that again hey um thanks for being on the show and best of luck for the june series guys oh,